is a bit like a secret society. Everybody's doing it. It's just that no one talks about it. Well, no one except for me, of course, here on the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show, the show where we educate everyone about sexual health, how it relates to overall health, making relationships the best they can be. Good evening. I am Maureen McGrath. I'm hosting this show. I'm a registered nurse in the field of sexual health. I'm a researcher, blogger, clinician in the field of sexual health and your resource to help you start that conversation, answer your question, and help you discover new and exciting things about sex, love, your body, and your health. I make no innuendos, no judgments, and no apologies. Just fearless, straight-up talk about sex. I guarantee it will be illuminating, enlightening, and fun. So stay with me, please. But first, put the kids to bed, please, as listener discretion is advised. First and foremost... I would like to say that my heart and everyone's here at CKNW goes out to the innocent victims and their families of the Pulse nightclub in Florida. Our hearts are broken for you and for this unnecessary tragedy where so many victims have gone far too soon. It's uh, tragic and tragic for those who have been left behind. Tonight on the program, Kim Vopney of Pelvian Wellness and co-founder of Bellies, Inc. joins me tonight to talk about why pelvic floor muscle exercises are important. She's also going to tell you about her upcoming event, Kegels and Cocktails, that's happening on June 23rd, 2016. And I have two tickets to give away for that. You can call me at any time for those tickets, 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on your cell. You can also call the buzz line if you have anything to say, 604-331-BUZZ or 604-331-2899. Well, we're going to stay down there, my friends, and we're going to talk about pelvic pain in men. We commonly associate pelvic pain with women, but it actually happens in men. And in fact, it's quite often misdiagnosed as prostatitis or some form of prostatitis and often mistreated with antibiotics. Tamara Narrator, a senior physiotherapist with a clinical practice in White Rock at Diane Lee Associates, who has a special interest in this area, as well as women's health and pediatric incontinence and sexual health. And she's going to join me in the second half of this first hour. Also going to be talking about your sex life and what binge watching of Netflix has on your sexual frequency. Have you noticed that you are paying way more attention to the ladies of Orange is the New Black than your own spouse, if you're married to a woman or if you're in a relationship with a woman? How about elementary? Is your sex life elementary? So by the, if, if we continue at the rate we're going, we're not going to be having any sex within a couple of decades. So we're going to be talking about that Love to hear your story about how Netflix has impacted your sex life. If you're watching too much tube and not having enough sex, there could be a problem and it may be an addiction. And yes, Netflix is the new addiction. Later on in the program, in the second half, so you're going to have to stay with me for two hours because this show is now two hours, I have a WeVibe Vi- Vibe 4 to give out. And WeVibe 4 is the latest and the greatest couples vibe ever. It has an app. It's remote control. You can have sex in this country or somebody in another country. It's amazing. Anyway, (laughs) 
And Matt, who's the my board op today, has been trying to steal it all day. No. <laughs> hey, Matt, thanks for being here tonight. That is not true. <laughs> Come on. You're in here. Like, you stuffed it in here. I had a pretty here. interesting look at it. The <laughs> fact that someone can control it from across the continent is pretty interesting. Pretty cool, huh? The problem is nobody's having sex, so it's not going to get turned on. <laughs> They're all watching Netflix. Um, so you get a chance to win that, but I'm going to be... I'm actually going to give the honors to Captain Scotty of the Jeff O'Neill Show. He's going to join me in the second hour of the program, and we're going to take your calls. And I have a bunch of emails. I get an endless supply of material from all of you, and I love it. Uh, So I've got a ton of emails, and I've chosen some juicy ones. Uh, or you can call us, 604-280-9898, or star 9898 on your cell. Ask any question you like about your relationship, about life, about sex. Uh, Scotty and I are going to give you our, our perspectives on things. So that'll be from 9 o'clock till 10 o'clock. He will be here. So I look forward to that as well. We're going to be talking a little bit about late in life virginity. I'm going to ask him some his thoughts on that. Weaker masturbatory erections. And what does that actually mean? So we have lots of subjects to talk about. But first and foremost, I do hope you put the children to bed. Just double checking. Grab a glass of wine, your lover, and uh, have a lie down and listen to me if you like. I do some, I'm a registered nurse, and I actually first started out doing sexual health or sexual medicine in the spinal cord injury area. And I worked at the BC Center for Sexual Medicine where we did research for my first research study was on men um, with uh, spinal cord injury who uh, were unable to or were having autonomic dysreflexia when they ejaculated. So we did a research study around that. So I'm now involved in another research study. I've done spinal cord injury research for about 10 years, and I'm working with some researchers out at SFU, Dr. Victoria Clayton, Dr. Jessica Inskip. If you think of spinal cord injured patients or people, you may think ambulation is their number one problem. Well, that's actually not the number one problem. And in fact, according to research, quadriplegics, uh, the number one issue is hand function, and paraplegics, it's bladder and bowel and sexual health. So because those are much more difficult to overcome, with wheelchairs and other devices, people can overcome the ambulation. But continence, bladder health, bowel health are big issues, as is sexual health. So I'm working on a research study, autonomic dysreflexia and bowel care. So in addition to motor and sensory deficits, many individuals with spinal cord injury will suffer from profound autonomic dysfunction. And the autonomic nervous system controls your heart rate, your body temperature, your breathing rate, and your digestion. It can also cause problems with continence, bladder and bowel, and also cardiovascular dysfunction. So These accompanying disorders are often neglected by the clinical community, especially when a person with spinal cord injury turns up to an emergency department with a profound headache or or sweating or piloerection. And uh, the, the doctors may or may not be familiar with autonomic dysreflexia. Autonomic dysreflexia is an extremely high blood pressure caused by sensory stimuli from below the level of the injury. 
It's a particular concern because it can be fatal, and it can result in cardiac arrest, cardiac arrhythmia, and or stroke in patients with spinal cord injury. And bowel care is one of the main triggers for autonomic dysreflexia, but little is known about the relationship between autonomic dysreflexia and bowel care for those affected. Some of my patients with spinal cord injury take two to five hours every other day for their bowel care program. So this study, we're looking at the use of a topical anesthetic in the hopes that it may minimize autonomic dysreflexia during bowel management. We're enrolling 26 patients into this research study, into this aspect of the research study, and we're utilizing a lidocaine gel, so a a gel that would numb uh, the, the area around the anus. So, and that would hopefully prevent triggering of high blood pressure. The current recommendations concerning anesthesia during routine bowel care are dated, and the advice is conflicting, so people don't really know what to do. So we're going to look at examining the relationship between autonomic dysreflexia and bowel care and test whether this anesthetic lubricant can improve autonomic dysreflexia during bowel care. So we are also doing a big survey where we're going to be surveying 300 community-dwelling individuals with spinal cord injury to describe the relationships between their autonomic dysreflexia and bowel care. And we're hoping that these survey responses will provide us with an overview of spinal cord injury injured individuals' concerns about bowel care and autonomic dysreflexia. So the then the other study will have 26 people enrolled in it, and that will be a randomized, placebo-controlled, double-blind crossover clinical trial to evaluate the effect of this topical anesthesia on beat-to-beat cardiovascular responses. So uh, we actually put a little mini little, like it looks like a mini little blood pressure cuff on the finger, and that actually, you get the beat-to-beat heart rate on that. Um, So we're actually really um, measuring uh, how their heart is functioning. So it's a very good uh, study, and if you have a spinal cord injury and you have over a year and you have a regular bowel routine, uh, you would meet the initial criteria um, for enrolling into this study. So So we're looking at your blood pressure, and it's actually a study that will improve morbidity, mortality, and quality of life for people living with spinal cord injury. So you can email me, sextalk at cknw.com if you like, or nursetalk at hotmail.com to find out a little bit more about this research study that hopefully will improve uh, quality of life. So we're going to be doing the research study in your home. Uh, So um, anyway, it should be very interesting. So that's that. So we have, I feel we have a great program tonight, lots of education, lots to learn about the pelvic floor. And uh, um, basically, uh, when when Kim joins me shortly, I'm going to tell her about how I educate about pelvic floor muscle exercises, and that involves the prime minister and how it used to be much harder to educate, and now it's so much easier because our prime minister is so much hotter. When I come back, Kim Votney joins me of Pelvian Wellness and co-founder of Belly Zinc. I'm Maureen McGrath. You are listening to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show. Welcome back. I'm Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show. Kim Votney joins me in the studio. Kim is of Pelvian Wellness and the co-founder of Bellies Inc. And she's here to talk about the importance of pelvic floor muscle exercises and about her upcoming event, Kegels and Cocktails. Welcome to the studio, Kim. Thank you. Happy to be here. 
great to have you. All right. So you have a, an event coming up and you have two tickets to give away. So you can give us a call 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on your cell. It's a great event. Kegels and cocktails. Yes, there's cocktails there and you can privately do your own Kegels while they're, while they're there. It's an educational evening. It's going to increase sexual sensation for you. You're going to learn so much. So tell me about Kegels and cocktails. Yeah, it, will, it was an event that I came out. I just sort of thought of the idea one day when I was thinking about how can I go out and pr- promote pelvic health in a way that is not clinical, not boring, not stuffy. I needed to have it fun and, and bringing some fun yeah. and awareness to it, basically. Mm-hmm. So I uh, I just I came up with the name. Kegels was something that if, if anyone knows anything about pelvic health, it's typically the word kegel. So I fe- figured that would open the conversation up. And might as well throw some cocktails in there, too. So. You might as well. Absolutely. I think we may have a caller uh, for those tickets. Is Already. That, have we got nice. a caller? We do. Perfect. Uh, we'll have a little word with her if she would like to come on the air. <laughs> uh, I wanted to tell you how I educate my patients. You're probably going to tell me it's a terrible thing. But people have a hard time understanding how to isolate the correct muscle to do pelvic floor exercises. So I used to say, well, if you're sitting next to dinner with the prime minister and you had to pass flavor, Mm-hmm. or gas, mm-hmm. what muscle would you squeeze? The rectal muscle. And then they'd say, oh, yeah, you're right. You know, when Stephen Harper was in power there. And then, but a few people would be like, well, I'd pass gas if Stephen Harper were sitting next to me. <laughs> but now that we have Justin Trudeau, so handsome. Uh, Not so handsome. <laughs> no, everybody's like, yeah, I'm into this. Yeah, I'll do this. No problem. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know what? And, and I use some strange cues as well. So I have things like sipping a milkshake through a straw with your vagina or Picking up a blueberry. Let's with get your back to that. Sipping anus, a milkshake with your, uh, sipping a milkshake with a straw through your vagina. Okay, yeah. yeah. Pick up blueberries with a vagina in your anus. You know, okay, you've got to identify those parts, and there's no one best cue. It's what's best for that person. Oh, okay. So um, a lot of people think falsely believe that um, they falsely believe that stopping the flow of urine is the right way to do Kegel exercises. But that sends the wrong message to the brain, correct? Right, right. absolutely. Yes. So I, what I say to people is, once in a blue moon, if you want to use that as a test to see, can I stop the flow of urine? Then sure, go ahead and do it one time and just see. Use it as a benchmark. But right. It's but not my way you... with the prime minister... Fantasizing about him, that's yeah. better. Don't right? practice on no. the toilet. Practice next to the prime minister. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the new fantasy, sitting next to the prime minister at dinner. Nadine <laughs> has won the tickets. And where's the event going to be held? It's at the Waterfall Building in Kitts, right by Granville Island. Okay, okay. And, and, and I have actually been. It's a fantastic event. You were a speaker. I was a speaker. Yes, I was. Yes, and uh, But I won't be speaking at this, this particular one. Um, but you have a whole host of different speakers, which is great. Right. We always have a pelvic floor physiotherapist there. We have a urologist there this year as well. Um, and we also have a naturopathic doctor. So we try to incorporate different aspects of our life that can affect our pelvic floor. It's not just about... 50 different ways to do kegels. Okay. Um, excellent. So, and, and it give, provides women with an opportunity to uh, ask questions as well? Absolutely. If so, they have any issues with the pelvic floor? Yeah. We have, each speaker has a certain lot of time and then we, we have plenty of time for questions because that's the whole purpose of the event is to promote the information, but also give women access to professionals who can help them. So we want an opportunity to open the floor for them to gain some 
insight right there, but also be able to interact with those professionals and potentially go and seek some help for themselves. Right. Because pelvic floor health is really important. Uh, number one, uh, the, the strength of the pelvic floor is really important. And people should really be doing pelvic floor exercises from when they are a, a young adolescent uh, right through for their entire lives, basically, yeah. because it's supporting all of those reproductive organs, and those reproductive organs can fall down. So I see a lot of patients with prolapse, so vaginal prolapse or uh, where the anterior wall has fallen down or bladder yeah. prolapse, and pelvic floor exercises will not only help that, but may prevent that as well. Yeah, absolutely. If we could get this information to women you know, most women hear about it or find out about it or recognize the importance once they have a problem, which is okay. sometimes, you know, not long after they've had children. So oh. if we could get this information out there to women before they have children when they're teens, how, that, how amazing would that, that would be? That would be so much better. Absolutely. We have Ken on the line. Ken, who's having some hip issues. Hello, Ken. Hi. How are you? Oh, well, better this week. Fantastic. Last week I had uh, some really bad food. Oh, that's and never good, is it? I was vomiting. And I, oh, this I, is a I, sex show, Ken, and you're like really bringing down my sex quotient oh, by <laughs> big time. I, what happened was <laughs> I couldn't get rid of it all, so my body had to process it, and boy, that was painful. It was almost like processing uh, some type of E. coli food poisoning, <laughs> and so I don't know. This is a sex show. You didn't know it was a sex show. I am a nurse, though. If you have a, a health question, I'm happy to oh, answer right. it. It won't really. I can't. Uh, it, I have to give you a disclaimer. Hey, how could I get on the uh, on the um, that program or be assessed for that program? You're saying? Oh, for the spinal cord injury yeah, patients. I'm quadriplegic. Oh, are you? Okay. Well, long. if you wouldn't mind, can you uh, email me at sex talk uh, at either. I have no internet. Have you no internet? Okay, if you could just leave your phone number with Matt, please, my board op. I'm sorry that I didn't get to FDX for you. Please don't apologize. You have now time to think about it and call me back about your sex life, okay? Oh, is that what you wanted to talk about? Well, I play music. I write music. Excellent. I play play a woman. I play her like the most gorgeous song, and you wouldn't believe what I get. Fantastic. Well, I sing horribly, so we'll make a great pair. All right, well, thanks so much. Leave your number with uh, Matt, and uh, we'll get back to talking about the pelvic floor. Kim Votney joins me in studio with Pelvian Wellness and uh, co-founder of Belly's Inc. Tell me a little bit about Belly's Inc. Belly's Inc. came about, uh, it's a partnership I have with two other women, one of which is a pelvic floor physiotherapist uh, and another personal trainer like myself. And we were recognizing in our clients before we met one another that many of them were struggling with their belly postpartum, that they couldn't get rid of the pooch. Mm -hmm. And we were, like, again, nobody was getting this information beforehand. So no one was given an opportunity to prevent it or minimize it. And we also have come to find that there's a real strong connection to the pelvic floor. So diastasis, which is the cause of that mummy tummy where they have the the abdominal separation after pregnancy. Mm -hmm. Studies are showing that it's, you know, 50, between 50 and 60% of women who have diastasis also have some form of pelvic floor dysfunction, such as incontinence or prolapse. And there's a, a, a huge connection there. So if we can educate them while they're pregnant, tell them, show them what to do to prepare their body for birth, give them the tools, the restorative exercise, the information, and we've also manufactured a recovery garment for them to wear. Nice. They can 
get to a, a better state afterwards. They can have more confidence in their body. They can move better. They're less likely to have lingering issues such as incontinence and prolapse because they've been able to prepare, they've been able to recover, and then they've been able to restore their core function. That's fantastic. And so your website is? We have uh, belliesinc.com. My personal website is pelvianwellness.com. And then mm-hmm. Kegels and Cocktails is kegelsandcocktails.com. And that's where you can find tickets. And that they have their own, uh, Kegels and Cocktails has their own page. Yes, absolutely. Yep. Yes, excellent. And so you're expecting a full house on... Uh, full house. Get your tickets early. June 23rd. Amazing swag bags. Amazing swag bags. So uh, it's guaranteed to the first 40 people. So get your tickets. Early. Oh, that's great. Because I know that the, t- the tickets go really fast. And I know the one year, uh, you know, it was over full. The room yeah. was, um, the, yeah, the firemen had to come in, which we didn't mind. <laughs> no, it's okay. They were hot. They're welcome. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they were all welcome. And uh, so you might meet a fireman if you come to uh, Kegels and Cocktails. Kim Botney, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you very much. I look forward. I'll be uh, attending the event, hopefully. <laughs> no promises, but I will look at my schedule. Anyway, when I come back, we're going to stay down there, my friends, and we're going to be talking about pelvic pain in men. I'm Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show. Welcome back to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show here on News Talk 980. I am Maureen McGrath. I am your host. I We're talking about sex here and health and relationships and anything you like. You can give me a call 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on your cell. You can always call the buzz line 604-331-BUZZ-2899. So if you are just too shy, you can always use an alias. You don't have to use your real name. Nobody ever does. Uh, I just got a message from somebody because later on in the program, in the second half of the program, I'm going to be giving out the We Vibe 4 Plus. It is the latest and the greatest couples vibe. And uh, somebody sent me a message and said they had just bought that for their female lover. She is in a same-sex relationship, and she said it is awesome. So anyway, I have an awesome sex toy for you to give out. But prior to that, we're going to talk a little bit about the pelvic floor. Chronic pelvic pain in men has often been misdiagnosed as prostatitis. If you're in your 40s, 50s, 60s, you probably hear people say, I have prostatitis, I'm on antibiotics, and it's like too much information. But nonetheless, people disclose a lot to me. But I've heard them say it at dinner parties as well. After excluding serious or acute urological, neurological, or colorectal conditions, it's actually essential to approach these patients with a much more comprehensive criteria than just slapping them with a prescription for antibiotics. So there's some new research going on. There are some new ways to approach this. Uh, Pelvic floor pain is commonly associated with women in terms of vulvodynia, vestibulodynia, vaginal dryness, and vaginal atrophy, but it actually happens in men, and it really can bring about a lot of embarrassment and shame for men, and it needn't do that. And and that's part of why I have this program is so that we can bring out all of these subjects that are sexual health subjects. Um, but many of these conditions like our myofascial pain syndromes or functional somatic syndromes or central sensitization syndromes or a result of psychosocial distress. So there are many uh, different symptoms and syndromes and conditions. And here to help me figure all of this out is on the line is 
uh, physiotherapist, Tamara Nerritter. She is a senior physiotherapist. She works in White Rock, British Columbia, with Diane Lee and Associates. She's been practicing for nine years now, has a special interest in working with all aspects of women's health, pediatric incontinence, men's health, and sexual medicine. And I was having a chat with her, and she was finding out that more men were turning up to her physiotherapy practice for pelvic floor pain. Hello, Tamara. Hello. How are you? Good, how are you? I'm good, thank you. Thanks for joining me on the program tonight. No problem. Talk about this. Uh, this is a bit of a secret, uh, secretive issue, would you think? Most men... It is. I yeah. mean, you know, I, I'm actually surprised when some men will say, you know, I, I can't drink, have a drink tonight or whatever because <laughs> at a dinner party they might <laughs> say, you know, to 12 or 14 of their closest friends, I'm on antibiotics for prostatitis. Yeah. It seems to be really common. It is very common and it's... And even in younger men now, too. So Well, these 30s. are men in their 30s and 40s and 50s. Mm-hmm. I mean, you would have associated prostatitis with older men and uh, men in their 70s or 80s. And this chronic prostatitis seems to occur, which, uh, and they don't necessarily have uh, positive uh, urinalysis, for example. No, not at all. Majority of the time they don't. And they've been on multiple rounds of antibiotics and and um, kind of have been led in no direction, and um, and then that's how they kind of end up at our office, kind of on their own search. And well, they're a lot lucky. Of the time, yeah, and a lot of the time I get, you know, um, messages from people just from things that I've posted on Facebook or calls because they know that we do pelvic floor physiotherapy, and more often than not, that's thought of just treating women, but actually um, that's also... Uh, available to men. And um, more recently, I guess we've had more men come into the clinic and and uh, sort of seek out some therapy from a couple of the therapists there that do the pelvic floor physio. Well, the thing is, they can be, they can have this pelvic floor pain. It can be misdiagnosed as chronic prostatitis. They can go right. on one round of antibiotics after another. Mm-hmm. One wouldn't think uh, I might get pelvic floor physiotherapy for this. There's a bit of a disconnect there, in part because the National Institutes of Health has created a classification system for prostatitis that has four categories. Category one, uh, you know, acute bacterial prostatitis, yeah. chronic bacterial prostatitis, chronic prostatitis, chronic pelvic pain, and asymptomatic inflammatory prostatitis. And most people fall into the chronic prostatitis, chronic pelvic yeah. pain, and are treated with antibiotics. And, and so, and there's no available option for them. The doctors are not even certain because there's no research out there that has conclusive evidence stating that pelvic floor physio works or, you know, osteopathy works or, you know, any certain specific treatment works. But the, um, I guess the research and discussion is going in that direction, um, which is great. But um, yeah, a lot of men are lost, left in the dark, right? And most, because, uh, a lot of them have functional somatic syndrome, which is, yeah, or central sensitization. central sensitization. Yeah, which, I mean, that can cause a whole slew of other symptoms, right? Like, you know, the food sensitivity trend that's happening. I mean, that that's a, a real thing. And, and it's often caused by sort of the waterfall effect of all these other things that are going on, not necessarily just, oh, they they have an allergy per se, right? So right. you get lots of all these other, um, you know, uh, digestive symptoms, like things like IC, which is, you know, sensitized bladder, you know, um, and a lot of the time the men have 
symptoms that come and go as well. So they'll have, you know, testicular pain, scrotal pain. A lot of them have that um, post-ejaculatory pain. And, you know, um, it can be quite debilitating, as you can imagine, you know, when they don't really have anywhere that they can go to try to seek out information, let alone treatment um, on it, right? And a lot of them will sit with this pain all day because they can get the coccyx pain or the perineal pain. And, you know, it can be set off by an uncomfortable bowel movement even or, you know, so it it can end up being quite um, debilitating. And if this continues, that's how it ends up, you know, sense like affecting the nervous system and then therefore also quite significantly affects the, um, the emotional state and, you know, the um, sort of how people react to it and, it and it leads to the things like depression and whatnot. So patients really need to be empowered in terms of ma- management, not just coming to you to seek a treatment but or a cure, so to speak, but rather you need to empower them that they need to also take hold of a lot of these things that um, need to be resolved, you know, mentally, physically, and emotionally with the physical treatment of pelvic floor and myofascial stuff. So, And so what would you do in your office? Um, I know we spoke about a couple of clinical cases yeah. recently um, for uh, men who had uh, post-ejaculatory pain, for example, or yeah. uh, coccyx pain sitting all day, and they're unable mm-hmm. to work. They can get isolated, yeah. depressed, low sexual desire. So, what yeah. would how would you assess them uh, in this approach? Um, and, well, and if they come into the office, I mean, you know, it it, it can be daunting, you know, because they're not they're either, they're seeing a female and they're not certain. I mean, majority, I would say, a lot of the men that I have had contact with have been assessed. Uh, by a male physician, like had their prostate exam by a male physician. So um, it can be quite daunting. So, you know, we go through a, a pretty significant subjective examination, like asking questions and talking about their history and getting ideas of how they feel and when they feel it and, you know, what sort of other things may be going on in their life at the time. Because more often than not, um, a lot of these individuals are you're very, you know, motivated, you know, um, very driven, I guess you could say type A individuals, right? So, um, are generally the type that have this sort of chronic prostatitis or chronic pelvic pain? More, more the chronic pelvic pain side of things, right? Um, and it leads down, you know, that road because they, a lot of the stressors that they're experiencing on a regular day, regular basis. Um, and so, you know, we speak to that and then, um, and then I'll do a full, uh, examination in terms of objectively looking at them and standing, how's their posture, looking at how they get into sitting because a lot of these guys have to sit down to pee because they can't stand because they can't actually um, get the urine out by standing. So it's important to observe how they are moving functionally and what's happening with their body when they're moving functionally. And that kind of ties into how we at Diane Lee's assess individuals through an integrated systems model, which um, looks at, um, you know, a meaningful task and, and what's meaningful to the individual and then assess them based on that um, task and whatnot. So, you know, somebody needs to work at their desk for a number of hours a day. You want to look at how they're sitting and then getting into standing and, and whatnot. And so we go through that very um, comprehensive examination. And then what I usually do is I have um, I have access to a real-time ultrasound. So we look at the 
the bladder and, and the pelvic floor through the ultrasound, both transabdominally and perineally. And then um, this also is an excellent biofeedback tool for the patient because they get an idea of, of what's going on. And you can show the most there's high tone on this side or there's asymmetry in the pelvic floor. And this is possibly what, why and where some of your pain may be coming from. And so some of these patients may actually have pelvic floor muscle dysfunction as opposed to the majority of them do. So it's worthwhile to have a pelvic floor muscle assessment by a pelvic floor physiotherapist such as yourself. Um, Because it has, you know, also that has a bit of experience working not just with women, but with men. However, um, because uh, there's a lot of, um, you know, pelvic floor therapists who, women who do not treat men or, That's right. you know, assess men. So you definitely want to do your research and make sure that, you know. Yeah. And how about the psychosocial is. aspect of it? Um, if, if there's, if this is rooted in a psychosocial issue or a psychological um, issue, anxiety, for example, or would they have a really tightened pelvic floor? Um, so clinically, so this is not research-based, this is, you know, just from clinical experience, I do find um, that many of the cases are quite high tone pelvic floor or what you would call an overactive pelvic floor now. Mm-hmm. So lots of you, when we do eventually the um, internal examination, which has to go through the anus for the male, and we do the assessment of the pelvic floor, there's a lot of high tone through the can, muscles can they tell the if they have high tone themselves or does that does that require um, an examination you know, at this point unfortunately i think it's a, sometimes some people are very um cognizant of what's going on and and maybe have done a lot of reading and research and and into what they're experiencing so they may have an awareness of that of mm-hmm. what's going on in terms of yes they they recognize they have um tightness in their pelvic floor whereas some people just don't have that awareness whatsoever. So that's why it's so important to bring their awareness to that area. But there's a lot of things in the body that can cause high tone in the pelvic floor. You you oh. know, you can have something in the cranium driving the pelvic floor. You can have, you know, emotional response driving the pelvic floor. You can have like, you know, you've you've had a previous multiple groin injuries that can drive high tone pelvic floor. So you do have to be cautious and not just going and just assuming the pelvic floor is the driver of the problem. Exactly. You have to look into and try to figure out and put the pieces of the puzzle together. Well, right? perfect. Well, we're running up against the clock here, Tamara. Thank you so much. How can people get in touch with you? Um, they can either look us up uh, online, Diane Lee and Associates, um, or they can give us a call at the clinic. So um, 604-538-8338 or email me at Tamara Lee.ca. Wonderful. Uh, it's Tamara with fa- an H. <laughs> yes, T-A-M-A-R-A-H. Uh, thank you so much. It's fascinating information. I know this chronic prostatitis thing. Guys, if you're out there and you've had uh, recurrent prescriptions for chronic prostatitis and it's not working, you might want to consider a pelvic floor ther- physiotherapist. Thank you so much, Tamara yeah, Narrator, Diane Lee and Associates in White Rock. And I am Maureen McGrath. When I come back, we're going to talk about the impact Netflix has on your sex life. You're listening to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show. Welcome back to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show. You know, uh, uh, sometimes when things happen around the world, it's not easy to deliver a program that uh, 
tries to deliver information in a way that people are comfortable with. So it can be in a lighthearted manner. And uh, it's it. Our jobs here are not that easy when we're faced with such senseless tragedy. And I noticed outside of the studio, as I looked down at the Vancouver Art Gallery, there's a a candlelight vigil happening. There's a few hundred people out there now, and um, just our hearts. I can't say it enough. Our hearts go out to all of the victims, which is really so many people around the world, but especially in Florida, right now in Orlando, Florida. Um, were victims of that census crime. And I think of uh, the relationships. You know, people have lost people that they maybe were in love with or maybe they went on a first date with them or maybe they met somebody there and, and somebody was killed. I mean, this is the largest number of people ever killed in a mass shooting in the U.S., uh, and just needlessly and senselessly, and uh, it's it's not easy to... Uh, think of that. And of course, we've been reporting on it all day. And, and I often think of the aftermath of what happens in in these horrific tragedies where, uh, yes, we see how many people's lives are lost, but how many people are affected, their mothers, their fathers, their siblings, their cousins, their workers, their co-workers. I mean, it's um, their lovers uh, in particular, uh, somebody they may have had a fight with and that person went off to the club and only uh, never to return home. Um, you know, it's just such needless heartache and heartbreak. I, I can't. Uh, there's There are no words to um, illuminate this tragedy. There's nothing that uh, we can, one can even think of. If you've ever experienced loss of a lover you uh, in, in such a tragic way, uh, you may be able to understand. But what the people are feeling now is, um, is impossible for us to understand, and all we can do is hope and pray for uh, their recovery, and um, you know, may God bless. Uh, so, just to let you know that uh, outside we do have that uh, going on at the moment, and our our hearts are, of course, with everyone uh, who is at Pulse last night. Just to go out to have a good time and to be met with that fate is uh, is just tragic, and sometimes it's difficult to understand how this world works. To be honest with you, I'm somebody who loves people, loves life. Uh, like I like to be happy. I don't really like to have all this tragic news uh, around me, and, and I'm sure you don't either. So I would rather have the tragedy and the dramas and the problems in life be on that little box that you're watching in your living room or perhaps in your bedroom where you shouldn't be watching that because that could really contribute to you having less sex. But uh, people are having less sex these days. And one reason might be Netflix. Have you watched Netflix? Have you watched Orange is the New Black, Elementary, Game of Thrones, House of Cards? Uh, Matt, are you a big... uh, Oh, uh... (laughs) Okay, uh, we have a little technical problem here. <laughs> Our, oh, okay, uh, too noisy to for me to ask Matt about his personal sex life. No, <laughs> uh, later. Uh, you know, do you watch? Has has Netflix impacted your relationship or your sex life? Has your lover been on a computer far too much? Has your lover? become addicted to binge watching Netflix and and if so I'd love you to share your story with me because if you do you might have a chance to win the fabulous WeVibe 4 plus 
Vibrator, which is a couple's vibe and uh, by all accounts is fantastic and amazing. This is the latest edition. They've had three before this, but nothing like the We Vibe 4 Plus. Uh, but this is a big issue. Cambridge University statistician David Spiegelhalter is convinced that he has pinpointed the cause of the declining sex rates. He is the renowned statistician and author of Sex by Numbers. He believes that the age of box set binging, as he calls it, is responsible for this gradual decline over the years in our sex lives. So we're having sex. We used to have sex five times a month after we got married. And and coming up uh, at 9 o'clock, I'm going to be answering a bunch of emails and your calls, hopefully. Give me a call, 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on your cell. But one of the emails is a guy wants to be, he's the self-proclaimed poster boy for the sexless marriage. He said he's had two marriages, and as soon as he got married, he said the sex has declined. And what's up with that? Well, apparently a lot. Uh, <laughs> so that is uh, one thing. Marriage can decrease your sex life can decrease sexual frequency. And there's actually a biological reason for that, and I'll I'll be covering that a little bit later on in the program. But this research done by David Spiegelhalter is out of Cambridge University. He believes that people are watching and binge-watching far too much Netflix. So sexually active couples between 16 and 64 were asked, and the median was five times in the month, in the last month in the year 1990. And then in 2000, it dropped down to four times. And in 2010, it's three times a month. Can you imagine couples having sex three times a month? Oh, my gosh. Now that is tragic. That just breaks a sex expert's heart, I tell you. But it will keep me in business. So thank you so much. Keep it up or not. (laughs) Either way, it's good. (laughs) Uh, But they're speculating that by the year 2030, a mere 14 years away, nobody is going to be having sex. So we're just going to be watching Game of Thrones and House of Cards and your house may fall down. Um, You know, I remember hearing about some nurses at VGH, about 60% or 60 to 80% did not pass the operating room exam and nobody could figure out why. And I thought it's social media. Social media is so distracting. Uh, You know, it's so easy to just go on Facebook, you know, for nothing. You find out what people have eaten or if they perhaps have gotten a new outfit or they're perfectly having an absolutely fabulous time at an event. Uh, It's really nebulous notifications that we're getting on Facebook. It it really, it's like, if it's meant to make people feel badly, I actually feel badly for people who are posting those kinds of things. But um, I'm really not interested in what you had for lunch. I'm really not interested in seeing the inside of your bathroom. It just doesn't do it for me. But I think we have to look at this Netflix thing because previous studies have shown a... uh, a link between a person's sleep levels and their sex drive. And um, because if people are staying out late, they have to get up early for the kids the next morning. Uh, They're not sleeping that well. Fatigue is the number one reason for low sexual desire. So if you're going to be slapping on a few extra episodes of Orange is the New Black or Elementary or whatever, you've got to think about that. And they give these cliffhangers at 30 minutes and 60 minutes. And that draws you in. That actually draws your brain in. It actually reacts to, you know, it's your brain that is responding and hitting play. We're going to talk a little bit more about this in the second hour when I return with Captain Scott.
Scotty from the Jeff O'Neill Show. He and I are going to be taking your calls about your relationship. We're going to be answering your emails. And have I got some doozies? And uh, keep them coming in. You can email me sextalk at cknw.com or nursetalk at hotmail.com. Either one, I'll answer both. Uh, but anyway, for now, we're going to be uh, just think about your relationship and your binge Netflix watching. I am Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show.